and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. everybody, welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank, and I'm excited for another episode tonight. And folks, if you didn't catch last week's uh, with Brother Benjamin, it was called the Chariots of Fire. And boy, we dug into the scripture, Ezekiel chapter 9. And uh, folks, you don't want to miss it, and you want to make sure you listen all the way to the end, because at the end there were some powerful words spoken by Brother Benjamin um, Words of healing, and uh, even though these are trying times, God has a plan for his remnant. Um, and his remnant are all those people who decide that they want to follow the Lord with all of their hearts. And so we got Brother Benjamin coming back on tonight, kind of a part two uh, with a little bit different twist on it tonight. And we're going to bring him in here in a few moments, but we're going to start with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Yeshua the Most High, we ask that you would... Just bless this episode tonight. Lord, there's a lot of struggles in the, in the remnant today. There's a lot of struggles in those who are trying to follow you, Lord, yet the cares of this world so often overwhelm. And so tonight we ask for deliverance, Lord. We ask that you'd set us free from those things that so easily beset us, Lord, for the distractions in Babylon that get us off track. Lord, clear our minds and our hearts that we may receive truth from you and you alone, Lord. I pray tonight the program when Brother Benjamin comes on and from here forward, Lord, that everything is spoken is according to your word and your heart. Lord, we thank you for the gift of mercy, which we all do not deserve but so greatly need. And Lord, I pray that that gift of mercy is something that we don't forget to extend to others. And Lord, may we never, ever put this aside or, or be, uh, Lord, lax in our calling to spread the gospel that Yeshua is coming again very soon. We thank you for this because we ask it in the most powerful name above every name, Jesus Yeshua. Amen. Folks, praise the Lord while we're waiting on Brother Benjamin to come in. I want to speak to you just a few words out of Second Peter that are going to kind of set up where we're going some a little bit tonight. Second Peter, powerful, powerful word uh, in the Lord. And, it, and it's starting in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, it says this, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So we're talking about back in Peter's time that he said that there were false prophets already and there will be false teachers still to come there are there it is going to be a constant flow and at the end of time we shall run into a place where the delusion is so strong that if it were possible only by the grace of the living god shall the very elect not be deceived and so peter is trying to warn us of this 
that is going on right now. These damnable heresies. And as you read through Second Peter chapter 2, it's interesting that many of these things that they're desiring and these heresies and this stuff that they're bringing in, it revolves around the flesh. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. That's verse 10. The interesting thing here, if you read this, that these people bringing in these damnable heresies in the church, in the world, that they have this lust in the flesh that's going. They are lusting spirits that are going on here. And they despise government, meaning they despise authority. They don't want to be told what they have to do or what they can or cannot do. They don't like anybody to rule over them. That is the problem we are running into today in, in this society. Nobody wants to be told what to do anymore. They don't like God telling them to do this or don't do that. Everybody wants to live by their own flesh. Now, I was listening recently as the new debates are coming up and everything, and I don't care. Folks, if you know me right now, I am too conservative to be a Republican, and I don't trust either party. So, folks, if you want to know where I stand politically, it's pretty much against everything that's going on in Washington. I believe in following the Lord. And if you support abortion and killing babies in any form, I will not support you. I cannot support that. I must follow what the Lord says. But it was interesting as I was listening to that Mayor Pete, and he was bragging about how gay he was. And he said, if you want to know how gay I am, he said, think about the most gayest thing you know. That's how gay I am. And he began to rail against the Vice President Pence because of his stance on gay marriage. And he was angry with Vice President Pence because of his God. He said his God, you know, is not, you know, he's the one who has the problems in the anger and the evil. And this Mayor Pete calls himself a believer, but the God that he serves in his mind supports his homosexual lifestyle. And so, therefore, he is angry at the God of the vice president because his God does not support Mayor Pete's lifestyle. You see, the problem is, folks, that in church, in this world today, and it leads up to uh, verse 19 is where Peter kind of brings it all together here. It says, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same he is he brought in bondage. You see, the problem is with these political leaders, with these church pastors, with this best life now preachers who are attending these filthy concerts and everything that's going on, and, the, and they're calling themselves believers. They're promising people liberty, but the truth is that they are nothing but the servants of corruption. These people, these political uh, hacks up here in Washington are promising liberty that you can live, do whatever you feel like it. They're saying, oh, yes, come vote for us. Do what we're going to do because you can have liberty. You don't need to obey the laws of the land. You can have liberty to live however you want. And if you want to be a transgender and you want abortion because you're a transgender woman and we're going to support that and whatever you want, liberty, liberty coming out of the mouth of the servants of corruption. Unfortunately, those servants are also residing in churches today. They are mega pastors. They are small-time pastors. They are all over the place saying, you can now 
be granting people liberty. Who are we to dare judge anything? If God has not, I heard pastors say this, if God has not convicted them, then who am I to say anything? Well, folks, if the word of God says this is wrong, then it is wrong. You need to decide today where you stand on these issues. It will get worse. A line will be drawn, and you better choose which side that you're on. Well, I've got Brother Benjamin now on the line, and he's going to bring us into the night's episode, folks. You better buckle up, put your seatbelts on, maybe fasten up your chin straps on your helmets, because it's going to be a bumpy ride this evening. Brother Benjamin, are you here with us? Hey, Frank. Yeah, I'm here. Amen. Praise God. Brother, I already opened with prayer, but you know what? We can't have too much. Would you just give us another word of prayer? Because I know that tonight's episode is going to be intense, brother. And I just, if you could just pray again, I would just enjoy it. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you that you've called us for such a time as this. Father, I pray that the name of Jesus would be glorified. Amen. In all that is said and all that is done tonight on this little program, I pray that the listeners would be touched, that their hearts would be pricked, and that you would work your work in the, in the lives of your people, preparing us for the great and awesome day that is about to begin. And I thank you, Father, for alerting us to the true lateness of the hour. We dedicate this time to your Son, our beloved Lord Jesus Christ, and in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Brother Amen. Benjamin, Hallelujah. you and I had some great conversation today, and I just opened up with a little bit on Second Peter, which you and I were talking uh, earlier about. Brother, I, I know there's a lot on your heart, and so take us where the Lord is leading you, because we are truly living not only in the days of Lot. These are the times our grandparents, our parents, they warned us about, we're here, it's now. It's astonishing to see everything now coming into its fullness right before our eyes. And, you know, thank God that, you know, we are counted among those who have been blessed by the Lord. We've inherited His inheritance, which is life eternal. He's clothing us in robes of righteousness. And we must make ready, though, Frank, because you're right, the day is upon us. It's astonishing. So, you know, you just don't even know how to keep up with the news. You know, the, the gay pride week that's going, our month, whatever, that's going on in, in, in the, the international gathering in New York and you know, all the occult significance of the dates and the times. And, I mean, it's astonishing what's, what's actually happening out there. And, uh, you know, I saw a video this morning that pointed out the, the rock that fell in the Wailing Wall back on July 23rd, 2018. I don't know if our listeners remember, but... One of the rocks in the Wailing Wall, in the Western Wall in Jerusalem, literally fell, broke loose, and fell about seven meters. It weighed about 100 kilos. 
stone cut without hands fell from the heavens. It's about to crush the image of the statue of Mystery Babylon in the feet. And the entire edifice, the, the entire structure of Mystery Babylon is about to crumble into the dust. And then the wind of the summer threshing floors, Frank, will carry the fragments, carry the chaff away into the fire that has been prepared. It is an amazing time. And Lord, I just, we look to you. I, you know, Frank, I, I, I pray. Spend some time in, in, in the Word and some time in prayer. And, and the Lord typically gives me a couple of scriptures that are relevant to the message He wants to bring forth. But I don't really know where we're going. <laughs> and I, I get done and I don't really know where we've been. Unless I listen to the program, I have no idea what even occurred. But I thank God, you know, the Lord is working His work. And... You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we are about to see firsthand the reasons why it was wise to learn the fear of the Lord. But, you know, I want to start with a with a word that I got yesterday. I um, actually had gotten into a, a jacuzzi. I've got some banged up I got some banged up joints and some banged up muscles and so so I thought well I'm, I'm going to sit in a jacuzzi and it was at about 100 degrees and I'm telling you Frank when I first got in I'm telling you that was hot but I knew you know within a few within a minute or two I would acclimate and you know and I wasn't going to burn um, but it really did give me a bit of a start because I thought wow you know this jacuzzi is hot I can't even imagine what hell must be like, and you know, and I, mm. I commented. I said, you know, Lord, what, you know, what is hell like? What is it really like? You know, we have no idea what's really going to go on in hell. I mean, we know that it's a lake of fire, and and we know it's the it's the wrath of an infinite God. And so, you know, if we're not if we don't have the fear of the Lord in in, in considering that incredible judgment that awaits the wicked, then we're just not, we're not paying attention, or, you know, we're just not, we're not getting it. But anyway, I asked the Lord, you know, what is it really like, Lord? He answered me, Frank, and he said, hell is a dreadful place. I thought, wow, I have not heard that word. You know, conversationally, I've not heard that word um, in forever. And so I went, I thought, wow, you know, dreadful. I mean, I got some idea what that means, you know. Certainly, it denotes fear of, you know, what will come. But I, I got the dictionary out, and I looked up the definition, and it's, it's astonishing. If there was a, a single word that could correctly describe hell, the word dreadful is perfect. Hell is indeed a dreadful place. The word means involving great suffering and fear, causing great and extreme fear, bringing extreme unhappiness, extremely bad and serious, horrible, terrifying and frightening, shocking, ghastly, horrendous, 
unspeakable, gruesome, and grievous, outrageous. Hell is a dreadful place. It's an outrageous place. It's, it's unspeakable what faces, what is facing the wicked. And I thought, you know, that dreadful word, that, I know I've seen that in Scripture. And so I did a little Bible search, and yeah, the, the word dreadful does appear uh, in two different forms. It first appears in the Scriptures in Genesis 28, when Jacob had the dream, and, and, um, and the Lord appeared to him in his dream. Now, this is the dream of Jacob's ladder, and uh, let, me, let me open my Bible. I want to read you a couple of the verses. Those of you that are listening or um, sitting with a Bible nearby, grab your Bible for Genesis 28. Let's take a quick look. Um, Isaac after he left Beersheba, verse 10, and uh, he put stones in place for a pillow, and he lay down and he dreamt a dream, and he saw a ladder setting up upon the earth, and the top reached into the heavens, the angels of God ascending and descending. And, and behold, the Lord stood above the ladder and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. Behold, I'm with thee, and I'll keep thee in all places where you go, and I'll bring you again into this land, and I will not leave you until I've done all that I've spoken to you. Jacob awoke out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid, and he said, How dreadful is this place. This is the house of God, and a gate to the heavens. And so the word dreadful appears in, in Jacob's dream. And in Hebrew, the word Jacob used is yare, and it means to be fearful or to be afraid, but it means out of moral reverence, to be fearfully reverent of one that is greater than you. And so, having been confronted by the Lord, Jacob was afraid of the almighty power of God. You know, the same word, yare, appears at the end of the prophetic writings in the book of Malachi where the scripture reads behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord again Yahweh a day to be morally feared a reverent day a holy day we don't tend to think of the day of the Lord as a day of holiness but that is in fact what is coming down the holiness of God is going to visit the earth it's going to burn the wicked, leaving neither root nor branch. But it's going to bring healing and deliverance to the children of God. That same word, dreadful, appears again in Scripture, only with a different Hebrew word. And it deals with the dread of the evil one, the dread of the wicked. And it appears in Daniel chapter 7, verse 19, when Daniel saw the one world government of the Antichrist, which he described as the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful. And that word is dekal, and it's actually a Chaldean term, which is sort of appropriate, and it means to slink, to slither, and by implication to fear, to be formidable. 
that which makes afraid, that which is terrifying. And it comes from a root word, zakal, and it literally means to fear, but it also translates the serpent. It's the fear of the serpent. It's the fear of Satan. And Satan, with all of his wicked might, uses fear to intimidate the people of the flesh into obedience. And, and so it's the fear that dominates the kingdom of men that's under the dominion of the serpent one. Habakkuk 1, chapter 1, verses uh, 7 through 10. How terrible and dreadful are your judgments. Their horses are swift. Pardon me. I'm, uh, let me back up. Habakkuk, verses 5 through 6. Behold, you among the heathen, regard and wonder marvelously. I am about to do a work in your days which you will not believe even though it be told to you. And for behold, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, those bitter and hasty people. They will march through the breadth of this land, and they will take dwelling places that are not their own. They're terrible and dreadful. Their judgment proceeds from themselves. They come, all of them, for violence, and their faces are lifted up as the east wind Mariah, which is the satanic power that emboldens them. And they scoff at kings. They do. They scoff at the kings of the earth because they know they come in Satan's power. And so they dried every stronghold. And these are the Chaldeans who come with the dreadful fear of the serpent in their lives. And they're being gathered. They're being lifted up against this land. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans. God's already done it in America, inside our country. The Chaldeans have been lifted up. They're now in power. Look what they've done. Simply astonishing. And I think, Frank, the, um, the Gay Pride Parade, which is really a manifestation of the, of the nature of this dark elite, because they are the perversion of life. Everything about them is upside down. And, and you know, the, they're celebrating the 50 years following riots that occurred in lower Manhattan in the summer of 1969 when a series of riots ensued. And it gave birth to the gay rights movement. You know, and today, you know, what began as a movement to to create, you know, acceptance and freedom in society is now morphed into a movement that demands society be transformed into the perversions of the wicked one. And all of this began in the summer of 1969. I find it fascinating. You know, the enemy knew the commandment had been issued to rebuild the Jewish quarter of the holy city, and that the countdown to the birth of the man-child of Revelation 12 had begun. And so what did Satan do? He began to birth the new children of the beast. And that's, that's who these perverted ones are. They're the children of the beast, the children of the grave. And so they too began a countdown 
And now they've entered into the fullness of their power. You can't even watch television anymore without seeing the gay lifestyle portrayed in even the commercials. Whole countries being perverted. Drag queens are are reading stories to our five and six year olds. Have mercy. This is insanity. We're murdering the children in the womb and we're perverting the innocent ones before they know the difference between their left hand and their right. And shall the God of heaven not respond? But the enemy is in reality, they're in a panic. Now, the men under their deception think they're about to inherit the earth, but the satanic spirits themselves, they are terrified for they know that the Holy One is about to be born again into the earth. The man-child of Revelation is indeed about to be born. The sign of the birth of the man-child appeared in the heavens in September on the 23rd, 2017. This fall it will have been two years. The commandment to restore and rebuild the Holy City was issued in 1969. You count out the seven weeks prophecy, 49 years, and you add the, the 50th year that follows the seven weeks of years, and, and you end up with 2019. The Mighty One is about to come. Zephaniah 3, verse 8. Wait for me, saith the Lord, until the day when I rise up, when I lift myself up, to pursue the prey. For it is my determination, saith the Lord, to gather all of the nations and assemble all of the kingdoms of men, and I will pour upon them my indignation. And the word is za'am, and it means the fierce, burning anger of the Lord. Even all of my fierce anger for the entire earth shall be consumed with the fire of my jealousy. Now, the enemy, Satan, is in a panic. He knows he's almost out of time. He's about to face the outpouring of fire from on high. Praise God. You know, this insanity is about to end. But isn't it ironic, Frank? Habakkuk 1, uh, verses 5. Behold, you who dwell among the Chaldeans. Behold, you American Christians. You know, marvel and wonder, and consider this. God's doing a work in your days that you won't even believe, even if I tell it to you. And you know what, Frank? We've been shown by the Lord through the Scriptures. The 70-year reign of America, Babylon, is the timeline for the initiation of the judgment. And I understand that that was hidden, sealed into the Bible. It's not commonly understood. But what amazes me, Frank, I have been fairly vocal of trying to share this with the people, figuring, you know, everybody ought to at least know the judgment's about to hit this country. Yet nobody else can understand it hardly. I've had several of the watchmen who I've tried to explain this to, they can't see anything. You will not believe it, though it be told to you. And so... The literal 
God is beyond the comprehension. And I know some will say, Benjamin, no man knows the day or the hour. I'm not talking about the second coming of God. I'm not talking about the return of Jesus. I'm talking about the judgment of America, Babylon, which in Jeremiah 50, verse 44, the scripture asks the question, who will appoint or discern the timing for the fall of America? It's right in the scripture. Yet they cannot believe it, Frank. Well, I say the Lord will vindicate that which is true. He's about to resolve the controversy of Zion. And the false teachers who came to offer their own opinion? You know, God bless them. They sure better not be standing with Joel Osteen at a Lady Gaga, you know, gay pride event. Or I think they're going to taste a little bit of this fire, personally. Hallelujah. The news in the evening is almost unconscionable. I got a call a few days ago, Frank, from a friend of mine, J.R. Nyquist. Uh And he commented that the recent meeting that took place with the President Xi Ping of China and uh, Kim Jong-un of North Korea, that one of the topics of conversation was the president of China told Kim, go ahead and do whatever you want in dealing with the Americans, because we're ready to go to war with them. And we've got your back, so do whatever you want to do. You know, it's obvious if you look at the, the heightened provocations that are coming out of the Persian Gulf with Iran shooting down our drones, threatening other aircraft, attacking numerous oil tankers, and along with scores of other provocations that have occurred, missiles being fired from Yemen against the Saudi Arabians. It's obvious that Iran, just yesterday, I think it was, they demanded that the United States remove all of its forces from the Persian Gulf. Iran is making demands of America now. It's obvious they want to initiate, they want to start the war. And the strategy is very simple, my friends. Fifth generation weapons that the enemies of America believe will grant them a certainty of victory nevertheless need to be tested in a real-world scenario. So they're going to use Iran and or North Korea to launch these weapons in an actual combat situation against American forces. If we surprise them and are able to defend our carrier battle groups from hypersonic missiles, then... It'll turn out that we have more time. But if the expectation of all of the experts is correct, and our naval task forces are nothing more than large targets at this point, and are vulnerable to these new technologies, if these, if these weapons are successful in sinking a number of our naval ships, then World War III is on and coming at us quickly. And it's 
almost hard to even talk about this stuff, Frank. Oh, Especially, you and I are putting it up on. Well, we're not exactly being quiet about it, are we, Frank? I don't think there's time to be quiet. Yeah, well, um, I'm already way too famous for my own good, so I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I could slip into obscurity again if I wanted to. But the days have come upon us. Indeed, they are nigh at hand. And yet it just astonishes me that, you know, I guess there's been so many, you know, so many people have cried wolf that, um, you know, everybody's sort of jaded with, well, we'll wait and see. Yeah, that's right. You will. You will wait and then you will see. And when you see the first American carrier hit with a hypersonic missile in the next coming month, I would expect by no later than the fall of this year, you can know for sure it's on. Of course, the limited or the initial war with Iran that is likely to happen later this year no doubt will trigger the financial apocalypse, throwing us into the chaos. That'll be the precursor to the much greater hostilities that I would expect await us in 2020. But we shall see. These are just my opinions and, you know... Talk to my critics. They would tell you I was wrong before. You know, let's just let's just hope Benjamin's wrong again. Except for I'm not. I'm not praying and asking God to make Babylon great again. I'm asking the Lord to stop the wickedness. I'm asking the Lord to intervene to protect the babies that are being slaughtered. Amen. I'm asking God to do something. To do what only he can do to stop the insanity because it grows worse by the day. Hallelujah. Um, I want to read just briefly from Psalm 80, verse 17 to 19. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, and let thy hand, O Lord, be upon the remnant of thy name, upon the children of men who you are about to make strong for yourself. And Lord, thus we will not go back from thee again. Quicken us, and we will call upon your name. Turn us again, O Lord, and cause your face to shine upon us, and then we shall be saved. Sing aloud, Psalm 81, verse 1 through 4. Sing aloud unto God our strength, and make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm, read a psalm, bring, bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow the trumpet on the new moon or the new month and in the time appointed. For this is a statue in Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. We are commanded to worship the Lord and to rejoice before the God of our salvation. And Psalm 81 verses 5 through 7, this God ordained in Joseph as a testimony. The law of God, that we rejoice and give thanks for the deliverance and the salvation that we have inherited. The world is facing a hell that is more dreadful than anything you can even imagine. And if you're born again today, you've been called to a wedding feast and to be adopted into the royal family of the King of Eternity. And that's our blessed hope, brothers and sisters. 
we don't face the wrath of God. We have not been appointed unto the wrath that is immeasurable. Rather, we've been called and ordained and chosen for the mercy of God. Amen. So why, you know, why would we be cast down, brothers and sisters? We were told to lift up our heads, for our redemption draws nigh. But God ordained the life of Joseph as a testimony of the deliverance and the salvation of God. When he went out through the land of Egypt, and the scripture reads, where I heard a language I understood not. It, here David wrote Psalm 81, but he's quoting Joseph and saying, I heard a language that I didn't even understand when Joseph first went out into Egypt. And then God says, I removed his shoulder from the burden of slavery. and his hands I delivered from the toil, from the pots. He, the Lord says, Joseph called upon me in trouble, and I delivered him. And I answered him in the place of thunder, and I proved him in the waters of Meribah, waters of bitterness. God proved Joseph's heart through the trial and the testing he went through. And then God delivered Joseph, and God lifted Joseph up. God removed the burden from Joseph's life. And Joseph's a type and a shadow of the remnant, rejected of, the, of their brethren, forsaken, sold into slavery, betrayed, falsely accused, in prison, having lost all things, with no hope at all in this world. Joseph had, there was no... Um, you know, there, there was no parole process in Egyptian prisons. Joseph had to get a parole hearing every year. He was going to rot in prison until he died, but for the intervention of his God. And he called upon the Lord in, in his time of trouble. And the Lord heard Joseph's cry. And God says, I delivered him. Look at the deliverance. Joseph's deliverance is a testimony of what God's about to do in the life of his remnant it's a testimony of what's about to happen in the 144,000. It's a testimony of the freedom that awaits all of those who will turn and turn back to the Lord with all of their hearts. Psalm 81, verses 8, and then 11 through 12. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto you. O Israel, if you will hearken unto me, God wants to testify unto us. If only we would listen and obey. But my people would not hearken to my word. And Israel would have none of me. So I gave them up unto their own lust. And I let them walk after their own counsel. Well, that's a picture of the Laodicean church. They wanted the money. They wanted the wealth of the world. They wanted the pleasure. They didn't want to fast and pray. They wanted to feast and and celebrate with the world, like Joel Osteen at the gay pride party, where Lady Gaga stood up, you know, spewing profanity in virtually every sentence that she spoke. So God gave them up, and they walked in a way that seemed right in their own eyes. Psalm 81, 13 through 16. Oh, that my people would have hearkened unto me, Oh, that Israel would have walked in my ways, saith the Lord. God's grieving over this. I would have quickly subdued their enemies. 
and that word subdued literally means destroyed. God's like, if Israel would have merely listened to me attentively and obediently, and have learned to walk in my ways, I would have destroyed their enemies. And I would have turned my hand against all that opposed them. And the haters of the Lord would have been submitted unto them. And they would have endured forever. And I would have fed them with the finest of wheat. And with the honey out of the rock, I would satisfy my people. I was reading this, I'm like, Lord, is this deal still good? You know, God said this. His word is forever. If we would learn to hearken unto the Lord today with all of our heart, if we would put a guard over our lips and put a check in our spirit, and we would very cautiously guard our ways, that we would walk in the ways of the Lord, does this deal still apply? Can we get in on this promise from God? That the Lord will quickly subdue our enemies and will bring his destruction upon all those that hate us. And that we will endure until the end, counted among his remnant in this hour. And that he's going to feed us with the finest of wheat in a time of global famine and with honey out of the rock, which is Jesus. He's going to satisfy his people. That word for hearkened is Shema, and it means to hear intelligently. It also means to pay attention. It means to hear with obedience. It also means to tell. To tell others what you've heard. To hear carefully, diligently, obediently. And to perceive and to publish what you've heard. To regard and to tell truthfully. To understand and to give a witness to the word of the Lord we would hearken unto God's word. Not in outward religious observance, but in the humility of a humbled heart. We would humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, repent with fasting and prayer, and with tears and supplication, then God will quickly hear from heaven, and he will heal our lives. He will heal our land. Hallelujah. So let's touch on Ezekiel 10 in the limited time that is left. Verses 1 through 2. Then I looked, and behold, in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubim, there appeared over them, over the cherubim, as it was a sapphire stone covering the expanse of the heavens, and as the appearance above the sapphire stone, the appearance of the likeness of a throne. So the Lord is enthroned above the cherubim. He's enthroned above the heavens. And he spoke unto the man clothed with the linen. This is the little man with the inkhorn. And he said, Go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill your hand with the coals of fire from between the cherubim. Scatter the coals of fire over the city. And he went in in my sight. And that word in, in this verse for wheels is galgal, and it, it literally means a whirlwind. It's a chariot wheel of a. It's more of a whirlwind that is rolling and bringing great destruction. So that the cherubim are the chariots of God, and the wheels are the whirlwind. The literally the the storm and the thunderclouds, 
the storm that precedes the coming of the Lord. Verse 3, Ezekiel 10. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in. And at that point, the cloud of God's glory fills the inner court. And then the glory of the Lord went up from above, from upon the cherubim. Now the glory of God comes up from the cherubim over the threshold of the entire house. And the house of the Lord is filled with the cloud of His glory. And the court of the, the inner court will be filled with the brightness of the glory of God. And the sound of the cherubim wings was heard even in the outer court as the voice of the Almighty God when He speaks. Now, brothers and sisters, here's my interpretation of these verses. When the man went into the house, that is the birth of the man-child, which is about to begin. The, the labor pains are going to start soon, and the, the woman shall give birth, in my estimation, in the fall season of this year. And as soon as she gives birth to the man-child, who's been appointed to rule the nations with a rod of iron, the man-child will be lifted up into the heavens, unto the very throne of God. And the man, who is the man-child company, will go into the very presence of God. And at that point, the cloud of the glory of God will fill the inner court. The entire remnant will be anointed with an anointing without measure. And the glory of God will come up upon not only the cherubim, but the whole house of the Lord. And even the inner court will be filled with the brightness of the Shekinah glory of God. So when you're entering into your prayer chambers after the birth of the man-child, you'll see the golden light as you enter into the presence of the Mighty One, if you're counted among the remnant ones. And at that point, the sound of the cherubim's wings will be heard even in the outer court as the voice of Almighty God when He speaks. And I know a lot of people teach that God no longer speaks, at least not to his people on the earth. Of course, they teach this because they themselves have never heard the voice of the Almighty, and they assume if God won't speak to them, well, then God won't speak to anyone. But they've, they've made a mistake. You, you can't make doctrine out of your own personal experience. You know, that you're assuming that your ways are, are the ways God deals with everyone. is rather foolish. God actually does speak once the man-child company has been lifted up into the very house of the Lord. The glory of God is going to fill the inner court, and the sound of the wings of the cherubim will be heard even in the outer court as the voice of Almighty God when he speaks. And so the Laodicean nation that has only dwelt in the outer court, they're going to hear the Lord for many of them for the first time. The Lord's going to thunder from heaven. The foundation and the threshold of the house will shake as the Lord rises to shake violently the nations. Hallelujah. And it will come to pass when he commanded the man clothed with linen, and this is a scribe. God has now commanded the scribe, who was literally just wearing a linen apron, even as David danced before the Lord, bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. So here's another one, merely clothed in the humble garments of white linen. And God says, take fire from between the wheels, from between the cherubim. Take fire from between the whirlwind of my presence. And the man went in and he stood between 
or beside the whirlwinds, the tornadoes of God's judgments. And one of the cherubim stretched forth his hand under the fire that was between them, and he took thereof coals of burning embers, and he put it into the hand of the man clothed with linen who took it and went out. This is the man-child company, having been translated into heaven, now being given the appointment of the Word of God, coming forth with coals of burning fire in their hands. And those burning coals represent the very Word of God. Jeremiah 5, verse 14, Thus saith the Lord, Because you spoke this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth as a fire, and this people shall become wood, and my word will consume them. It will devour them. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, saith the Lord? And a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces. So the word of God has now been given to the 144,000 who come forth bearing witness of the word. Thus they're pictured as writers with an inkhorn, as scribes who've come to literally bear the Word of God. Only now the Word of God is no longer being written with an inkhorn. Now it's literal burning coals of fire in their hand, having been translated into the heavens and having come back out, going back out into the outer court, they can literally carry the burning fire of the real Word of God's judgment into the earth itself. And the people who've been fruitless and have have settled on their leaves, they shall be as sheaves of dry branches. And the burning word of God, as it comes forth in this time, will set them ablaze. And it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hand of judgment of the living God. I would admonish all, take heed how you hear, for the day indeed is near. Ezekiel 10 Verse 8 through 9. And there appeared in the cherubim the form of a man's hand under the wings. And I looked, behold, the wheels of the cherubim, one by one, and another wheel by another. And the appearance of the wheels was as a barrel stone. Now the word wheel previously represented a whirlwind, the word galgal. Now the word in Hebrew is ufan. And O, which is Aleph Vav, literally means in the presence or in the place or, or a manifestation, something that is present. And the fan part of this word is pen, it's pay, and then noon, which is the root of panim, which means the face. And so I know the, the modern translators all say, oh, well, this can only mean a wheel. It actually means to revolve. To call this a wheel is, you know, it's a translation, it's a transliteration of this changing appearance of the face of God that is evolving within his creation, now coming within the very creature itself, in the place of the anointed ones. But this knowledge has been withheld from those wise in their own eyes. But upon actually means the evolution, the changing evolution of the manifestation of God in the place of whole of his house, now appearing in his people, even as Jesus said, when the Son of Man is revealed in his people, that's the evolution of the counsel of God unto the revelation of the mystery of Jesus Christ, the mystery of God, now being completed, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the blessed hope that we shall be like he is. 
and so much so we will be able to hold the coals of fire in our hand and we will not be burned. We will walk through the whirlwind and we will not be afraid. We will literally walk through the fire of the judgment that is coming and it will bring joy and blessing and gladness to us because we will walk through the very presence of the Lord. And as for the appearance of them, Ezekiel 10.10, these all had the likeness of a wheel within a wheel or of a face within a face. And all of those being transformed into the presence of God are going to bear the likeness of the Lion of Judah, not only in their countenance, but in the redeemed nature of their being. Hallelujah. Verse 14, And every one of them had four faces. The first face was of a cherub now, the anointed ones. Remember, cherub means the place of feasting. Those that are rejoicing because they've been called into the very presence of the Lord. And the second was the face of a man. Here are these anointed ones who have been called as the anointed, rejoicing presence of God to be part of the the worship of God, have the face of a man and the face of a lion. And fourth, the face of an eagle. And then in Ezekiel 10, 15, Ezekiel says, these are the, the living creatures I saw when I was at the river Chabar, back in Ezekiel 1. And the glory of the Lord departed off the threshold and stood over his anointed ones. Ezekiel 10, 18. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and they mounted up from the earth, and they went out. And the God of Israel was over them. So, it's my contention that we're being given a vision, if you will, a spiritual reality, the revelation of Jesus Christ in a redeemed and anointed messenger who are before they were called for this ministry, just humble scribes, humble students of the Word of God, the humble believers, the remnant of the Lord, who've been appointed to not only behold His glory, but to walk in and share the same. Now I know there's a lot of naysayers who they chide and they chase and they kick. They're kicking against the pricks if they're kicking against the words of truth that are coming forth. But they cannot stand the revelation of truth. Everything has to be within their little worldview. And they can't even bear the concept that God would call people to be part of the anointing that he would call people to be part of the ministry of Jesus Christ, that he would call men, vessels of clay, to be transformed into vessels of glory. But that is, in fact, the very revelation of the new covenant of our salvation, that Christ would be in you, no longer just the hope of glory, but now the revealed one, the Son of Man becomes revealed in his people. When the man-child company have been born and translated into the heavens, 
The glory of the Lord now fills even the entire inner court, which is the place of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now it's filled with the Shekinah glory of God, and the voice of the Lord thundering from the heavens can even be heard in the outer court. Now all shall be revealed and also fulfilled. And I was and I'm marveling over these these revelations that keep coming and and the Lord shared many other things in the recent days, and some of which were spectacular. And I said, Lord, show me a sign. Confirm your word, Lord. <laughs> and the Lord answered me, and let me try to remember exactly what he said. You're asking me to confirm my word to you? Like, what a dumb question. Why are you asking me to confirm my word? Every word that I have spoken, I will surely do, saith the Lord. You know, and I thought about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, Lord, you know, it's a little scary down here. And it is, we all feel better when God confirms his word. But the Lord was trying to make a point. We don't need his word confirmed that it's going to be accomplished in me and in you. We only need to confirm that we have the very word of God and that God did indeed say these things. And if God did indeed say them, then God shall surely do them as well. And I have been bearing witness of that which comes forth from the Scripture. The remnant shall indeed be redeemed and not with the help of men, but by the very hand of God and there is yet a little time if you can hear his voice if you love the truth you know and it really comes down it doesn't come down to great knowledge about the scripture and it, it doesn't come down to to a great level of faith because we all have just a little faith and the Lord can strengthen us in our faith it really comes down to what do we love? Do we love the Lord? Do we love His truth more than the ways of our flesh? Are we willing to forsake all the things of this perverse and ruined age to embrace fully the ways and the words of our God? If we love the Lord with all of our heart, and we seek him with all of our heart. He will be found of us on that day. Now some people write me emails and they're very distressed that they have not heard the audible voice of God. And understand that, you know, this is, that's the typical, that's the common experience of all of us. I don't hear the Lord very often myself these days either. Nothing like when I was young, we hear God speak to us through the words of Holy Scripture. And by the power of His Holy Spirit, those words resonate in you. If you, if you know the Holy One, and you are born again in the power of His Spirit, then His Spirit will bear witness in you that the words that He shares with you are true. But also understand, we're in a time of great spiritual warfare. 
The enemy is panicking. And they are thrashing like a mad dog, ready to be unleashed from a cage. And so the warfare in the heavens over us is, is unprecedented. This is you know, similar, although probably far greater, than the battle that was going on when Israel was in captivity in ancient Babylon on very defiled ground. And Daniel was literally entering into times of fasting and prayer, seeking to hear from the Lord. And, and Daniel was literally, in Daniel 9, he fasted for three weeks, basically on a very low-calorie vegan diet. Daniel went on a, a strict vegetable fast, no pleasant bread, no wine, no dessert, literally just pulse, just vegetables, enough just to maintain his strength. He fasted and prayed for three weeks before he could hear from the Lord. And this is Daniel, who had heard from God many times. You know, and the fact that Daniel couldn't hear from the Lord, well, there was not a problem with Daniel. Daniel had done nothing. The problem was in the heavens above him, and the problem was in the earth under his feet, for the earth had been defiled, and the heavens were now brass because of the warfare that was occurring over his head. As Daniel interceded in prayer and fasting, the war gradually broke through, and then the answers in the revelation came. So, you know, all of us are struggling to hear from the Lord. All of us are struggling in prayer. All of us are struggling to fast and pray. The battle at this point rages at a level I've never seen. And trust me, friends, I'm sort of uh, one of the tips of the spear here. I get a personal, I get my own personal version of the spiritual war as it comes against me in an onslaught. And I can tell you, I can tell how powerful the program was by the reaction that happens the next 24 hours in my life. Because the enemy lifts up everything they can against me. And, and, and they're doing the same against you. And then they turn around and they try to accuse you that the problem is in you. The problem is not in you. If you're walking in repentance and humility and obedience with the Lord. Or maybe it is. Maybe there are things we all need to repent of. Could be a little bit of all of the above. But don't be condemned. If you're hearing my words, it's because the Lord wants to redeem you. He's pouring out His Spirit. He's there to help us. But we must call on His name. We've got we to gotta walk away from Babylon now, brothers and sisters. Because I could be wrong, but I am not. This judgment will surely come down in the next 6 to 18 months. What are we? This is June, um, end of June, so what do we have? July, August, September, October, November 2019. The Day of the Dead, November 2nd. The Day Babylon Fell, October 11th. From those days, that's five months, roll forward 11 or 12 more, and you get into the fall of 2020. These events will transpire within that window. That's my witness. I'm not making a prophecy. If I'm wrong, then I'm simply wrong. But I wouldn't be a mocker against this word. 
the, the scripture admonishes us, be ye not mockers, lest you want the chains on you to be made stronger. The hour indeed is at hand. I thank God because it means our deliverance is here, you guys. So we don't need Babylon to be made great again. We need the deliverance from Zion. We need the remnant set free again. Babylon's days are numbered. And in judging from how quickly it grows darker by the day, it would be horrible if the Lord were to tarry for a number of additional years. I was watching the Democratic debate on TV, and I just to see how crazy it would all be. And I was not disappointed. And it was a crazy mixture of, of socialism and communism. Right. I comforted myself in the knowledge that none of those people will ever be president of this country. You guys, stay in prayer. Remember me in your prayers. If you try fasting in prayer and you, and you fail, you, you don't make the fast, don't be discouraged, don't give up. Simply appoint another time and try again. It is critical that we all be fasting and praying now because, believe me, the camp of the enemy, they are definitely doing the same. And they know the lateness of the hour. The church is completely confused, but our enemies know precisely what time it is. Amen. And so will everyone soon. Amen, Frank. Thanks for letting me share, brother. No, I praise God. Folks, you know, um, what Benjamin was saying about preparing and living, I mean, folks, we live in some evil times. And he mentioned Zephaniah chapter 3, and uh, it's powerful, probably one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, um, especially chapter 3. And it ends with God talking about singing. And to know that our Heavenly Father sings is amazing. I just couldn't imagine hearing the voice of God. But he ends that up in 17, says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Could you imagine, Benjamin, the Lord writing a song about you? to sing over you. Hallelujah. The interesting thing is, folks, it's in verse 18 as to why he is singing. He says, I'll gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. And so the Lord's looking down on the earth and he sees this group of people that are so burdened, just like in Ezekiel chapter 9, last week's message, Brother Benjamin. He sees those people that are so burdened, they've gathered together in their solemn assembly and they're crying out and God is singing over this. Folks, the Lord is here and he wants to help you. And when we humble ourselves and seek Him with all of our heart, it, we begin to share the same thing, the same burden that's on His own heart. And that is the fallen state of this world. God, you don't, Nobody wants to see their own children lost. Neither does our Heavenly Father. He, he doesn't enjoy it. It's not His will that any should perish. But unfortunately, He gives us the option to choose. And there will be those. But he sees the cry of his, of his children when they see the, the reproach of this world and how it's become a burden to them. And he begins to sing. 
Hallelujah. Folks, God is here. This is the hour. And He is watching. And He's ready, as Brother Benjamin talked about earlier. And, and Brother Benjamin, you didn't even get into David tonight. And, and Folks, when the Lord sees His children in trouble, <laughs> man, He saddles cherubs and He comes down in fury. Yeah, the Lord breathes fire. It's in the Scripture. He doesn't play when it comes to His children. I want to encourage each one of you to keep in the fight. As Benjamin said, if you fail, get up and try again. We've all failed, but we don't give up. We stay in the fight. And one day, very soon, Brother Benjamin, this thing's all going to be over. Brother, we're going to be up in the kingdom. Hallelujah. When we're (laughs) realizing that those can of tuna fish didn't help a single one of us. (laughs) It was all about the Lord. But you can feed those to your cats, and your cats <laughs> you love that too. They will love that's right. <laughs> Amen. God bless each one of you. Benjamin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And, and folks, Benjamin's not kidding you. You need to pray for him. Pray for Brother Benjamin. Pray, pray for the remnant call here. Because when you stand up and proclaim the Lord, all of you have seen this most likely have happened before. The enemy attacks. You don't get a free pass. And he will, they will attack. So, Brother Benjamin, you'll be in our prayers. God bless you and uh, keep you. And until the next time, Brother Benjamin, we look forward to having you back here on the Remnant Call. And, folks, this is Brother Benjamin and Frank from the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom.